Welcome to We Fish ASA, the best darn fishing show on the radio or the internet in the entire USA. I am Steve Surley, my partner is Dave Kranz. We Fish ASA is always pleased to offer you conversation with the most interesting, the most informative, the most entertaining, as well as some of the biggest names in the world of fishing. We Fish ASA is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association, in particular St. Croix, the best rods on earth. Calcutta, makers of a line of products that fit your fishing lifestyle and passion, and Daiwa. We've got your bass covered. Yes, they certainly do. Daiwa Reels. We Fish ASA presents a new episode of our one-hour podcast each and every week. It's available 24-7 everywhere you get your podcasts. Don't forget to check out our website, wefishasa.com. We Fish ASA is produced by Brad Nearman from Preserk Productions in Lando Lakes, Florida. Hey, Brad, how's everything going with you? Thanks for all you do for us. On today's show, we welcome Dan Johnston from St. Croix. We are going to speak to Mr. Ken Duke, the editor of Fishing Tackle Retailer Magazine. And I'm excited to be able to introduce to you folks a great young fisherman. This guy hasn't been around for a long time, but he is really hot. He's winning. He's finishing in the top tens. He's doing the Bassmaster Elite Series, and he is just doing a great, great job. And I'm very excited to be able to introduce you to Brandon Lester. He'll be up shortly. But first, let's swing it over to Dave Kranz, who's going to bring on our good friend, Mr. Dan Johnston from St. Croix. Take it away, David. As Steve said, I am Dave Kranz. This is the We Push ASA podcast, and this segment is brought to you by St. Croix, the best rods on earth. And uh, this week, uh, middle of June, uh, I'm looking at the, the weather map across the country, and it is hot everywhere, south to north, uh, trying to get away of, uh, from something that's not, you know, mid-80s, 90s, 100s, heat, heat indexes that are over 100. It's pretty crazy. But every year, Dan, we talk about hot weather patterns. Uh, I think this is a good, timely topic. Yeah, it sure is. It's we're, we're in a sweltering heat wave here in the Midwest as we speak, and you know, but it is a great time to be fishing, though. I mean, we, there are a couple things that, one thing that really works really both against us or for us, depending if we understand it, is water stratification or thermocline. And that can be a completely different podcast, but that certainly happens, especially when the water heats up fast, because you get two differing layers of water temperature in the water column, and uh, it can create a level of depleted oxygen deep to where it'll raise fish in the water column. And so obviously that can be a good thing if you know that, and it can work against you if you don't. But aside from the thermocline, there's a lot of other things that we can focus on, especially for fishing, for example, 15 foot or shallower all over the place. Uh, is Wind becomes a big, big asset for us when the water gets hot, and uh, so does the, uh, the uh, a light. So in other words, morning bite, on the bass side with the top water can be just really predictable. Same with the evening or a cloudy day. Um, but you can also get scenarios right during the middle of the day if you get the wind blowing. It can just mix up the water and cut down the light penetration down, oxygenate it a little bit better, and uh, get them to bite real good too. So certainly doesn't mean we have to put our rods away. It's just we need to make sure we stay really well hydrated. Wear your sunscreen. Um, if you see me fishing anymore, I've got the gloves and the buff and the hood and the whole nine yards, and I think that's important as well. It is. That's that's uh, and one thing you didn't say, and you always do is sunglasses. 
Well, sunscreen and sunglasses, I, I won't fish without them. I and mean, you can call me raccoon eyes all you want, but I've had two times where I've had baits literally hit me in the face. And uh, all it takes is one on a shallow hook set and that tungsten comes back at you. And, you know, obviously I use them to see under the water, but first and foremost, for eye protection and be honest with you, I'm a big proponent of that. I've, I've messaged that to a lot of people. Yes, you have. And, and I, I do the same thing with the, the, the long pants and the long sleeve shirts. There's a lot of materials out there that you can wear that are um, wicking materials. They're light. You actually feel pretty cool, even though you have long sleeves. I had a guy trip the other day, and uh, both my client and I, we had the buffs on. We had the hats on. We had the glasses on. We had long, and, and you know what? The heat index was 105. We stayed out there eight and a half hours. We stayed hydrated. We caught fish. It was fun. And, and we didn't come in just worn out because we did the right thing so I, what that's a very good tip i appreciate that um some of the patterns that uh you like to do when it's hot you mentioned the thermocline i like to refer that as kind of the fish trap time of year because you know where they're going to be yeah you know I, it, that's that's a definitely a, a mainstay we should do a separate topic podcast on that just one thing because that's a big big topic we, and, we, we will do uh, that but, yeah yeah, yeah, but you know, aside from the thermocline, there's a lot of ways to catch them too. Um, I use a lot of uh, both moving baits and bottom contact baits in the wind. And crappie, I'll, I'll really go to wood and brush piles, but they'll also suspend on bluff walls too. But the good news is, if you can find a bait, like a lot of times a year, other than the actual spawn, that's what's driving them is water comfortable water temperature uh the amount of desired light and what they're feeding on so we need to wrap our heads around that and another thing in clear water when the water's hot can be really good because what we call the strike zone expands so much they'll just come to get it we need we need to understand that they're the temperature of the water number one and number two we need to also understand that our temperature gauge is showing us surface temperature only so you can show 82 on the surface and it's cooler than that five or six foot down those fish can still be really active so in clear water i'm trying to cover a lot of it and use a moving bait uh, but when it gets high, dead, slick, hot, that's when I'll go to targets to start punching them, get shade over their heads, or get in big wood, make sure your, your hook's protected real good, and flip the heck out of it. And there's ways you can definitely still catch them. Absolutely. And then the other thing I think you can add to that is is if you have uh, an element of a current, whether that's wind-induced or not, that can help uh, uh, cool that water too when it's moving, bringing water from like a deeper part of the lake where you have a stream that flows in, that's going to be cooler stream that flows out, you know, um, so that can be a, a help also. Like you said, it's definitely not the time to put the rods away. As a matter of fact, summertime fishing is some of my favorite. You mentioned early about the topwater bite and from the Potomac River out east to Grand Lake, Oklahoma to Midwest here in uh, Wisconsin or Northern Illinois lakes, uh, that topwater bite is pretty predictable in the summer. It's automatic in the morning and automatic is a strong word in fishing, but if there's one thing predictable, it's throwing a topwater at sunrise in the morning. They just seem to really like it. And they'll bite it later than people realize too, especially if you have the right phase going on with the barometer you know how we talk about that and then also if, if you get some clouds that hold on they'll bite well into the afternoon on that top water it's it's arguably as good a time as any in the year to catch them 
on multiple different types of topwaters. And what I mean by that is a lot of different sizes work, a lot of cadences work, poppers work, walking baits work, and buzz baits all work. And that's not always true all year. When we get late, late in the fall, we're going bigger with our topwaters. When we're around the shad spawn, sometimes we're throwing them a lot smaller. Um, things but summertime you've got your frog and you've got every topwater box lure in your box you have a chance to catch one on it absolutely and i think you hit the nail on the head with saying that the, the strike zone is increased and that's why the topwaters work because their metabolism is as high as it's going to get and they're feeding yeah, I mean, they're just feeding more. I mean, the water's warm. Now, granted, when it gets really, really hot, that'll shut them down. But again, you, you've got those feeding windows at morning, evening, or even in the afternoon if you got the right clouds or the right barometric conditions where it's a great time to fish. The key is we need to keep our heads in the game because it gets hot. And if you don't take care of yourself, you will fish well. No, that's true. How about uh, a shade as a pattern, overhanging trees, docks, uh, that type of thing? Well, there's a couple things we could get really weedy, but there's that cicada hatch that goes off every so many years that's just stupid. It's ridiculous. Every fish in the lake's looking up. You also have all kinds of insect hatches. You've got your mayflies. You've got in, in around current areas, you've got things called caddis and bass, bluegills, especially bluegills and panfish really feed on those. And what do you think feeds on bluegills? <laughs> yep. So a, a, lot, a lot of our mindset is driven around that, but that overhanging tree thing is incredible. And you know what's really interesting about that, Dave, is I will skip an overhanging tree even if I don't have to. In, in, in other words, let's say the tree, I got a 10 foot of clearance, but it's still providing shade. I'll skip it anyway. And the reason why is how many times when the wind comes up, does something fall out of that tree and start running like crazy? Or, it, you know, they're, they're expecting wild things to happen under a tree that's hanging over the water. Whether it's some type of insect that lands and runs or whether it gets, it's a big insect and hits hard. And so I don't like to just throw in there. Like if I'm using a fluke or a Cinco, I'll skip it in there, even if I don't have to. Yeah, that, and that's a great tip and makes a lot of sense. And, uh, you know, there is so many things they're feeding on that can fall out of there from uh, from insects to baby birds. And, and uh, you know, it, it, the five-pound bass will certainly take a, a baby bird that's fallen out of a nest into the water or or a pike or a big crappie. I think they'll all eat. And eat. They're, they're opportunistic to the point that they're programmed to eat in the summer because um, they're, like you said, the, the temperature of the water, it may not... Uh, be 80 but it might be 72 and they're they're going to eat and they're burning calories uh what what other you, you mentioned a buzz bait do you have a favorite way to use the buzz bait well i'm imitating i'll get away from uh the big appendage type tails in the summer in my opinion i go to more shad tails um that glide a little smoother through the water i can work them with a faster cadence i'm throwing that appendage type trailer on a buzz bait when they're on bluegill beds for sure but mm -hmm. past that i'll go to more shad tails but you know one one point i really wanted to bring up that a lot of people don't think about and i think this is one this has been a selfishly speaking an ace up my sleeve for a long long time we talk about shade created by things overhanging whether that's a boat dock or a tree all these things we can see well there's shade created by things under the water too and if you have a giant brush pile under the water and you have the sun at one side of the sky don't think for a second that thing isn't shaded on the least side of that or if you have a great big rock 
and your side imaging will actually show you that it'll show you the shadows on a rock when you shoot it and the longer that shadow the taller that target is so you can fish underwater shade lines as well especially if it's a big heavy target it will be There'll be a shade line created off of that, just like the tree that's above the water. We have to think about things like that, too, especially when it gets slick and quiet. But if you've got that sun at an angle and you're fishing a brush pile, you might want to consider trying the opposite side of that pile where the sun has to get through it. Does that make sense? It makes total sense, and that is probably one of the best tips I've ever heard anybody give for fishing underwater uh shade that's made by underwater structures and i think that's awesome and i uh i appreciate that and i appreciate dan johnson on the podcast every week thanks dan we look forward to talking to you next week hey dave thanks so much oh no problem that was dan johnson i am dave Kranz. steve sarley is remote and this segment as always is sponsored by st croix the best rods on earth the we fish asa podcast will be right back Rule your water. Rule it with a St. Croix rod. Whether you take to the lake, wade the rivers, or cast from shore, St. Croix provides responsive performance, ensuring your success below every surface. With a St. Croix rod in hand, you're a part of a celebrated tradition that has spanned 70 years. Touch, power, and control are right at your fingertips and extend to you the finest fishing experience on the planet. St. Croix, the best rods on earth. The outdoors is more than just a profession for us here at Big Rock Sports. As avid anglers, hunters, and outdoor enthusiasts, it's our passion. So advocating on behalf of the outdoor sporting goods industry is a top priority for us. Big Rock Sports is proud to serve as the voice and advocate of outdoor sporting goods retailers across the nation. Big Rock Sports works tirelessly to protect our fisheries and anglers' rights. Big Rock Sports, we are here for you. I'm professional angler Kevin Van Dam, and people always ask me, what's the best and easiest way to catch fish? Well, that's simple. Keep our waterways clean and free of litter. You know, tossing your worn out lures in the lake is not a winning move. Pitch them in the trash. Do your part and join me. Visit KeepAmericaFishing.org and pledge to pitch it. Welcome back to the We Fish ASA podcast. I am Dave Cran. Steve Sarley is remote, and this segment is brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. My next guest certainly has a passion for the outdoors and a passion for the sport fishing industry. He is Ken Duke, editor of Fishing Tackle Retailer Magazine. Welcome back, Ken. Thank you, Dave. I always enjoy being on We Fish ASA with you, and uh, it's always a joy. So thanks for having me. Oh, I appreciate your knowledge and insight to this industry. And, uh, you know, we're coming up to ICAST, and for those that don't know, that's the International Convention of Allied Sport Fishing Trades. And are there a few people that don't know what that acronym stands for? (laughs) Interesting you should ask that, Dave. Uh, I remember a classic. It was the classic right before COVID hit. It was... uh, uh, I can't remember where that one was, but uh, I think it might have been Birmingham. Uh, anyway, some folks from ASA were running around with a video camera and asking people, what, is, what does ICAST stand for? What does ICAST stand for? I believe I'm the only person they stuck the camera in, in the face of who actually knew the answer. So, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a mouthful. You nailed it, of course, the International Convention of Allied Sport Fishing Trades. It's been around since the early 2000s. Before that, it was uh, AFTMA, the American Fishing Tackle 
Manufacturers Association, but uh, yeah, ICAST is the world's biggest fishing uh, trade meeting. And it's very important to our industry, isn't it? It really is. It's the, it's the best opportunity that manufacturers have to show off their, their new stuff to uh, buyers, retail and wholesale buyers, as well as media. And you know, the, the, uh, you've been going to that show a long time. I have as well. And uh, it's interesting how the show has evolved through the years. I would say that up until about 2007, maybe 2008, I would have called it a buyer's show. It was a situation where uh, a guy like yourself who has a, a retail tackle outlet goes in there. He looks at what's there. He, he places his orders and, and he's set for the next year. Uh, but along about then, when when YouTube was really getting getting started, uh, and and everybody had a GoPro on a stick, I <laughs> think it changed to more of a media show. And outlets like uh, like BASS decided, you know, this is a slow time of year for us. There are no tournaments. Uh, let's go to iCast and, and turn this into a content situation. Yeah, yeah, and, and I and I think it it has, and I and to the benefit of the consumer. Well, absolutely to the benefit of the consumer, because this is not a show where, where the average uh, angling loving guy can just walk in. You have to be an industry person. You have to be working for one of the ASA member companies, or you have to be a, a credentialed media person who works in the outdoors field, uh, or you've got to be an exhibitor. And, um, you know, it, it's unfortunate because a lot of guys would love to see what's at ICAST, but it's also necessary to kind of keep the the numbers down so that people can get some work done too. Oh yeah, it's it's so hard to get. Everybody is so busy at iCast, and if you're if you, it looks like people running around with their uh, like a chicken with their head cut off. But that's what it takes to get through it and get all your business done if you're doing it right. Yeah, you know, I don't I don't think it's possible, and I don't think it's been possible for many many years to see everything at iCast. The show is too short. For the volume of exhibitors, they're, they're a ballpark. There are going to be 700 exhibitors at ICAST. And, uh, you know, maybe you're a freshwater guy and you can you can eliminate a few. Maybe you're a saltwater guy and you can eliminate a lot. Yeah. Maybe you're a bass guy and you can you can eliminate a few. But, but it's too much for the amount of time. You have a full day uh, Wednesday, a full day Thursday, and then about two-thirds of a day on Friday to see as much as you can, talk to as many people as you can, and it's it's uh it's too big a show to see everything. Yeah, it is. And I, as a buyer there and and media, I, I get to do uh, the vote on the new product showcase, which uh, Fishing Tackle Retailer has sponsored for a long time. And and I always like to compare what I've uh, seen and what I think is a good product com- to what actually wins. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's you know and and. The people who vote in the new product showcase sponsored by Fishing Tackle Retailer, as you say, thanks for the plug. Um, They are either retail or wholesale buyers or they are media. Now, I have been advocating for some time that media not be allowed to vote, but we won't go into into that here. Uh, Media should not be voting at the show, but we won't even play that game right now. (laughs) Instead, let's talk about let's talk about the fact that media like me and and retail and wholesale buyers like Dave Kranz are, are looking at this stuff for entirely different reasons and with wildly different perspectives you know you walk in there and you're you're thinking hey can i sell this in my shop is Mm -hmm. it going to move off the shelf for me am i going to be able to make a profit on this thing what's the margin on this thing how's the packaging look 
Where's it going to go in the store? So you, you have that perspective. And I go in there and I'm looking at it from a perspective of, well, what's a good story? Right. You know, what is a good story? And so uh, we have very different perspectives. And I think that those perspectives are better served if they would either split up the vote and, and award prizes for a media winner and a, um, a buyer winner, or if they would just eliminate the, the media vote. Um, but anyway, it's uh, it's an interesting group of people who vote. It's an interesting group of people who show up for the new product showcase, which uh, we host and, and we have a, uh, a get together on Tuesday evening at five o'clock. And uh, I'm very fortunate to be part of opening that, that up with a little ceremony. So uh, I'm looking forward to that a lot. You, you have no idea, Dave, how much I enjoy that. I, I can tell that. And you definitely, uh, I know it, it's probably the highlight of your, of your, uh, ICAST because you, you guys sponsor it and you're into it. And like you said, you, it, you do get a lot of information that you can write about, talk about. And, uh, and I, for the reasons that I exactly you you nailed it as far as can I make money off of it can it can I sell it um, and, and many things um, uh, don't apply to me that I vote on I mean saltwater items I'm never going to sell in Northern Illinois but you know <laughs> it, it, so yeah, the saltwater market in Northern Illinois is probably not what it is here in Florida no no it is not <laughs> but but it's still interesting to see what's there and sometime. Um, gadgets or terminal tackle or something there is a crossover sometime between heavy saltwater terminal that can be used for musky or big salmon so so it's not always even catfish market but it's not always a a waste of time to look at those products i i think it's uh it, it can give you ideas about other things and uh, which is which is all good i i uh i i love going to icast it's exciting for me i've i've haven't missed one I don't know, in many, many, many years. Um, and uh, I, I don't intend to ever uh, miss one because it, it is a uh, opportunity that I think every, all of us have to make if you're going to be serious about being in this industry. Uh, no doubt. Um, you know, not everybody can get to ICAST. Not everybody can get to ICAST every year. But if you can, I think uh, if you're a fishing industry media person or if you're a a fishing uh, retailer or wholesaler, you got to you got to go there at least once, see what it's about, find out if it's something you need to make a regular part of your calendar. Um, for me, it's uh, you know, for me, it's a great place to see the new stuff, but it's also a reunion out there. This is these are the people I only see once or twice a year, mm -hmm. and so I really enjoy the opportunity to catch up. and 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 Dave, you've played this game many times. You're walking one direction down the hall, somebody you've known for 20 years is walking the other direction and so you spend exactly three seconds saying hello how's it going and then you're on your way to the next booth but uh it's still good to to see the people you you enjoy absolutely you can't pass up that opportunity and and uh it is a good one and uh it is a great one and and uh as we both have friends we've made in the the industry that uh it's unfortunately you don't get to spend more time with them and it's it's more uh electronic or a, a phone call or an email or or something like that there's I, I can think of about 25 people off just while i was saying that that i'd love to spend a, a day in the boat with yeah that's that's true it's uh it's it's yeah, it's it's a reunion and i i enjoy it you know some of the different functions that we we go to maybe over the course of the year whether it's red crest or bassmaster classic or icast or the asa summit um, they're a good time. And the longer I stay in this industry, the, the more I realize it's about the people more so than the products. Yeah. 
I, I have noticed in my retail environment over the years, um, more people, be, since it's become where the media is putting these products out there on that date, more people in the retail uh uh, that are buying the products, the ultimate end users of this, where they say, "What you know? What's coming up at iCaster? Is there anything new?" I said, "Well, they don't tell you till we get there. It's it's just, you know, it's a secret. It hasn't been released yet." And you you go out there and want everybody to be excited. But uh, twenty years ago, I didn't. I don't think the public knew there was an iCast, but they certainly do now. And I I think it's helpful to have the media. Uh, putting those YouTube uh, videos out there and talking about the product and having the, all the pros there and Major League Fishing and BASS and every, the organizations that are there, um, we're promoting these products to the public more than ever. Yeah, we are. And I have a mixed, I have a mixed bag of feelings about that. Um, it's less true now than it was 20 years ago. But I will say this, when you walk out on the show floor and you start looking in somebody's booth and, and, and you're looking at, for example, a, a reel. And uh, it used to be that, that they would judge uh, whether or not they were actually going to make that reel and put that thing into production mm. uh, on whether or not they got good feedback from buyers. If they didn't get enough orders, they wouldn't make it. Now, since the show has kind of shifted to more of a media perspective than a buyer perspective, I think that uh, probably a much higher percentage of these products that are on display are going to be put into production, probably over 90%. But back in the day, 20 years ago or whatever, it was probably closer to only 60 or 70% were ultimately going to be made because they were waiting to see how many orders they would get. Yeah. Yeah. That make that makes sense. And, um, uh, bounce it off the people that that know the industry and and let them help you decide because not every uh company comes up with the perfect products which continually uh, makes next year's closeouts and that's <laughs> you know that happens too oh yeah that happens a lot yeah you'll see you'll see products win awards and uh and six months later they're in the bargain bit <laughs> and i i'll bet you i'll bet you i can i bet you i'm right about this in your business dave and in, in the retail tackle business uh, some of your customers will see videos of iCast and they'll see some great new crankbait or spinnerbait or, or rod or reel on a, a video and they'll walk into your store and ask for it. And uh, you'll have to tell them, well, that won't be available until March or yep. something like that. And that's got to be tough for you. It's got to be tough for anybody in your business. It is, and it does happen a lot. And Ken, I'm up against the clock here, but I thank you always for your... Uh, your insight about the industry and uh, appreciate uh, you coming on the podcast and I know it won't be the last time. Always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you. That was Ken Duke. I am Dave Cran. Steve Sarley is remote and this segment was brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. We will be right back. The outdoors is more than just a profession for us here at Big Rock Sports. As avid anglers, hunters, and outdoor enthusiasts, it's our passion. So advocating on behalf of the outdoor sporting goods industry is a top priority for us. Big Rock Sports is proud to serve as the voice and advocate of outdoor sporting goods retailers across the nation. Big Rock Sports works tirelessly to protect our fisheries and anglers' rights. Big Rock Sports, we are here for you. Calcutta. We're an outdoor coastal trading company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. Born in the back of a Florida bait and tackle shop, Calcutta was created with a rebellious spirit 
and a goal to offer hardworking outdoor products at a reasonable price. Calcutta builds the products that fit your lifestyle. We're on a mission to help you reclaim your free time and to declare mutiny on the mundane. Depend on Calcutta gear and apparel. Bass anglers have heard it all when it comes to manufacturers having the best casting reel. Well, Daiwa can back it up with the Tatula SV. The Tatula SV has three key features that make it the most versatile casting reel on the market today. The SV spool is a lightweight aluminum spool allowing for long control light lure casting. MAG4Z gives you the option to set a precise casting range no matter what lure or wind situation. The Daiwa T-Wing system reduces line angle and friction when casting. Distance, control, and finesse like no other reel on the market. Tatula, the ultimate finesse long cast system designed by Daiwa. Welcome back to We Fish ASA. I am Steve Surley. My partner, Dave Kranz, is remote. Please remember that We Fish ASA is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association. Please consider checking them out. Go to their website, keepamericafishing.org. It'll only take you a second. It'll do the sport a world of good. All right, we are back, and I am pleased to welcome a guy who is on a roll. I don't know uh, if he would say he's on a roll right now or just uh, business as usual. He, he's one of the good ones, an excellent young fisherman on the Bassmaster Elite Tour. Please welcome Brandon Lester. Hey, Brandon, how are you? Hey, Steve. Doing good, man. How are you doing today? I'm doing okay. Not, not as good as you. Are, are you on a roll? Are you? Will you tell people that you're on a roll right now? Uh, I don't know if I would call it on a roll. Just, I mean, I guess I am. You know, I guess you could call it that. Things are going good on the water. You know, I mean, it's been a good year, off to a good start. And, um, heck, the year's starting to wind down now, and hopefully we can finish strong. Yeah, it, it's amazing. Uh, year, the year's not even half over yet, uh, but it's certainly more than half over in fishing, and that's kind of sad, but it, it, but it is what it is. You know, a lot of times to me, fishing is very cyclical on uh, whether it's on a on a daily cycle, weekly, you know, seasonal cycle. But you you see it a lot in cases of uh, of lakes in particular. You see a lake that's uh, uh, got an exceptional crappie bite. You're getting really a nice sized crappie, and then the next year the crappie are smaller. Uh, that, that's what I look as cyclical as the the size and the quality of the fish. Uh, but there's other things as far as cyclical. When I'm asking you, I'm asking you, uh, you know, are, are you a, quote, hot stick right now? Uh, do, do you see your fishing as being cyclical up and down? Or is consistency what's gotten you where you've gotten? Yeah, just consistency. Consistency definitely is. Um I have strived my whole career for consistency. You know, you see guys that quote-unquote swing for the fence a lot, um, you know, and then you see guys that try to catch five every day and let the chips fall where they may. And I, I definitely am trying to put myself in that latter category. I like to, I like to generate bites, um, and in doing so, you're going to catch some big fish and you're going to get your share of blends along the way. So, um you know that's how I that's how I kind of go about it. Okay, and I'm gonna guess that your strategy on a tournament to tournament basis isn't always the same. I would have to think that your practice, your pre-fishing, has a tendency to affect 
your strategy when it comes down to tournament day. Uh, that, you yeah, know, yeah, you know whether, whether you're going to swing for the fence, uh, whether whether you're going whether you're going to try to put five in the box right away and then call. Uh, do you have a way you attack it usually, or is that all based on pre-fishing? It is definitely based on pre-fishing, but I actually, you know, I, I pre-fish the same way. Uh, just try to find some baits that I can generate bites with. You know, I don't try to get. I've learned throughout my career, don't try to get too dialed in on exactly what's happening in practice. It depends on the time of the year. But fishing changes day by day, sometimes hour by hour, you know, with different weather, different water temperatures, different times of the year. So I try not to get too dialed in on what's going on in practice. I try to let the dialing in happen in the tournament. I just want to find some baits that I can get some bites on, generate bites, um, and, and then we'll, we'll worry about the rest of it come tournament time. That makes a lot of sense. All right, I, you know, I definitely want to talk. You're having a, a great year. I started out by saying that, and I would be remiss in not mentioning that you are absolutely fresh off a huge, huge victory uh, in the elites on, on Pickwick Lake, uh, a, a legendary body of water up against the best field in professional fishing. You, you came away with the trophy and the big check. But that, that followed up a, a big win for you on the uh, Southern Opens down in uh, Kissimmee. Uh, and anybody who thinks that uh, the Opens are a step down from the elites, well, I guess technically they are, but man, oh man, you look at who you beat in that thing. That is some stiff competition. That is excellent, excellent tournament competition. And that Kissimmee chain, that, that is a, a body of water that uh, you and your uh, your cohorts all seem to fear. Everybody gets, uh, everybody else just seems to not do as well as they normally think they would on Kissimmee. It's a tough place to fish, isn't it? It is a tough place to fish. A lot of variables involved, you know, and you've got a lot of different lakes. Uh, you know, of course, you got Toho, you got Cypress, Hashnahal, Kissimmee, uh, a little lake down there called Tiger Lake. So you've got a lot of area that you can cover and a lot of options. And every year we go, I mean, I've fished five or six opens down there. Um, and every year we go, it's it's totally different. The grass changes, things change. You know, it's typical Florida fishing, but... Um, I've had some great tournaments down there. I've had some not-so-good tournaments down there, but I do love the place. Uh, and you're right about those opens being a stacked field, man. It's a lot of tough competition and a lot of boats out there. There's 225 boats in that tournament. So even though it's a big playing field, that's still a lot of boats on the water. It's it's uh, it's unbelievable. You know, I, I, have, uh, I have fished uh, that ICAST Cup down at uh, the ICAST show, on, on Toho, and, and it amazes me how a body of water that close to a major vacation area, uh, uh, you know, major city, uh, there, there's so many people there, there's so much recreation, there's so many boats that go on and off that water, how they can keep up the amount and size of fish that are that are swimming in that water down there just amazes me. You know, everybody's talking about what a great job Texas does with their fisheries. I, I say you got to come back. You got to you got to give uh, Florida a pat on their back. They do one remarkable job of keeping their fisheries uh, in prime shape. Yeah, yeah, they definitely do a good job. Uh, you know, the grass management is always a, a hot topic down there. Whether they should spray, whether they shouldn't spray. 
Um, but they're doing a good job. This year when we were at the Kissimmee chain, it, it looked really healthy, uh, as healthy as I've seen it look in, in the past three or four years. There was a lot of good hydrilla, uh, a lot of good hyacinth mats and stuff like that. So, yeah, the, the place is in good shape. As a matter of fact, I think I saw on social media where it took 28 pounds and something to win uh, a tournament down there just last weekend. So. Huh. Obviously, they're they're still catching them good down there. Yeah, that that is amazing. Another thing I and I don't know if I'm being 100 percent correct in this or not. That that being on Toho, I have never been on a lake where all of a sudden there's so much stuff where your 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 electronics and your map don't seem to do you as good because things change. Uh, all of a sudden, there's brush piles where there weren't brush piles anymore, and they go, oh, you scratch you scratch your head because it's uh, uh, you really got to keep your eyes open because it's different all the time, isn't it? Yeah, it definitely does. It, it changes year to year. I, you know, I I don't fish down there much this time of year, but normally when I'm there, it's January, February that time frame. But I've like I said, I've fished probably five or six different opens i've been fishing the open since 2012 and we go down there a lot and every time i've been it's it's different every time i've seen it with no offshore hydrilla and then this year it was full of offshore hydrilla which is really good for the lake you know that gives yeah the, sure sure the bat, that gives the fry a place to go that gives the, the bait fish a place to go so it's it's definitely really healthy right now excellent hey tell us about uh Tell us about this uh, this big win that you just pulled off on Pickwick. Yeah, it was great. So I've been uh, I've been fishing the Bassmaster Elite Series for nine years now. 2014 was my uh, first year, so this is my ninth year on tour, and this was my first time winning a, an Elite Series event. Um, and, you know, and you may sit back and think if you don't follow bass fishing that closely, man, it took that guy nine years, but you don't understand. I can't explain the level of competition on the Elite Series. Those guys are so good. And I've had a great career, you know. I've, I've been consistent. But, man, it, it felt so good to get it done at Pickwick and finally get my hands on one of those blue trophies. And, um, yeah, it was it was just a great event, a great week. I, it, everything that I found in practice, it just it all it finally all came together, uh, and we were able to make it happen. When did you feel that you had a really good shot at winning this thing? Uh, so I found I caught a lot of my fish off of one little spot, um, and, and I made some other calls off of other spots. But every morning. I was getting a, off to a really good start on this one little spot, and I found it the last morning of practice, probably about 8.30, 9 o'clock in the morning. And when I found that spot, I knew the way it set up. It, it didn't stick out on a map. It was not an obvious spot. I thought there was a good chance that maybe I could have it to myself. And I knew if, if, it, if it was a really good spot and it panned out the way I, I hoped it would, that I would be able to kind of use it and then move around on some other stuff that I had. Um, and I just had a feeling and I knew that if I did my job and, and make good decisions throughout the tournament, I knew I was on enough fish uh, to do very well in the tournament. You know, you never know. It's fishing. You never know how it's going to go. But I did. I had a feeling that third day of practice that I had enough fish to, to get the job done. When you enter a tournament, do you always feel that you have a chance of winning? I think, 
I guess the short answer that to that question would be yes. Um, you know, you I try to always keep a positive mindset. You're never gonna ask, uh, nobody will ever ask me before a tournament. Well, how you feeling? I, I'm never gonna say, oh, this this is terrible. I'm not gonna catch anything because if you go into it with that attitude, I've been doing this long enough to know you're not gonna catch them. Right, so right. Whether you know whether you had a great practice or not, you have to tell yourself. Hey, tomorrow's a new day. You know, get out there, do your job. Because you, I've had terrible practices in great tournaments. Um, but I, I, you know, kind of the way Pickwick was setting up, uh, I had a good feeling about it. Well, you know, I, I think you got to uh, obviously go with a positive attitude. You'd never say publicly that uh, uh, your chances were minimal uh, on a tournament. But you know, we talked to guys and. Uh, uh, had guys say, "Yeah, I was just, I just wanted to make the cut, you know, or I'm, I'm out there. I, it's a tough, tough body of water for me. I'd be happy to to get a check." And and other guys will tell you, if you're fishing for making a cut or you're fishing to get a check, you're fishing to lose. Uh, yep. you're either fishing to win, and if if you make the cut, you make the cut. If you get a check, you get a check. But up until that last day is over. You got to be fishing to win. Is is that true, or is that just pie in the sky talk? Uh, no, that's that's true. I mean, you, you definitely there. There's a big difference between fishing for a check and, and fishing for win, and kind of pushing all the cards to the to the middle of the table and going for it. You know, and I think when it comes down to it, you and I mean, I've had tournaments where out. You know, you're just trying to survive. You you pick your battles out here. You know what your strengths are, but you know, kind of. I kind of give this analogy, uh, a baseball, uh, a professional baseball player, he's got to be able to hit the knuckleball. He's got to be able to hit the curveball. But when he gets that pitch that's in his wheelhouse, right down the middle, he better make good on it. Bass fishing is a lot of the same way. When you get your pitch, and I feel like, you know, I grew up around these Tennessee River lakes, Pickwick, Gunnersville. I feel like when I'm on the Tennessee River, uh, I feel at home. You know, Pickwick is not my home lake, but I, I, I know a lot about it. I've spent a lot of time there, and I, I just feel like, you know, I was throwing my pitch, and I was I was able to make good on it. Excellent. Hey, I got a lot more I want to ask you about. We're, we're on with uh, Brandon Lester, uh, Bassmaster Elite Champion from uh, Pickwick Lake, and he won a big, uh, a big Southern Open this year. He's had a really, really good year. Couldn't be hotter than this guy. Uh, we're going to take a real quick break here on We Fish ASA. Let our sponsors have a word. We'll come back with more Brandon Lester. I'm Steve Sarley. We'll be right back. For most anglers, the unexpected is expected. But what you can do is take matters into the seat of your, well, shorts. Meet Aftco's Overboard Shorts, winner of the iCast Best in Category for Technical Clothing. Built with a 100% submersible pocket that keeps the unexpected dry dock for the other guy. Overboard keeps the good times rolling and your valuables safe for the next adventure. Overboard Shorts from Aftco. Learn more at aftco.com overboard. Bass anglers have heard it all when it comes to manufacturers having the best casting reel. Well, Daiwa can back it up with the Tatula SV. The Tatula SV has three key features that make it the most versatile casting reel on the market today. The SV spool is a lightweight aluminum spool allowing for long control light lure casting. 
MAG4Z gives you the option to set a precise casting range no matter what lure or wind situation. The Daiwa T-Wing system reduces line angle and friction when casting. Distance, control, and finesse like no other reel on the market. Tatula, the ultimate finesse long cast system designed by Daiwa. The St. Croix story has evolved over 70 years. With gritty determination, St. Croix built the most advanced fishing rod facility in the world. And with it, a world-class brand that has earned the respect and admiration of anglers around the planet. We will continue to challenge ourselves, our employees, and our partners to be the best every day. We're proud to celebrate 70 years of passion and commitment to making the best rods on earth, St. Croix. Welcome back to We Fish ASA. I am Steve Surley. We are brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association. And speaking of proud, I am proud to have with us one of the hottest sticks on the water right now, a good guy, a good fisherman. And uh, happy to have him with us. He is Brandon Lester. Hey, I, I enjoyed the fact that you, you brought up baseball on this. And I was thinking about this the other day. Uh, you know, you got guys that are getting paid millions of dollars to go out there and play ball, whether pitching, hitting, whatever. Uh, you know, they know, how, they know how to play the game. They've got coaches that are with them every day. You got uh, base coaches. You got running coaches, strength coaches. Uh, you you guys don't have coaches for what you do. You you know it and and you go with it. Uh, has it ever crossed your mind that you need a coach or there should be somebody that could you know, spend a day in the water and say, "Hey, just look at what I am. I doing this right or whatever." Does, you know what I'm saying? Do, do, are you are you as as uh, hanging out there alone as I'm saying you are, or is is there some advice that you look to? Uh, no, I mean, I think most guys on the Elite Series are, for the most part, self-taught. That, that's one thing about fishing. Um, most sports are played on a controlled field, football field, baseball field. Bass fishing is completely different where we're, we're out there in nature. Um, if it comes two inches of rain, whatever lake or river we're going to own it, we're on, it's probably going to rise. You know, so it's going to be different yesterday than, or different tomorrow than it was today. Um, and I, I just, I think for the most part, time on the water is what teaches us, you know, what we need to know. It, it's that experience. And when that water does come up like that, you need to be able to say, Hey, I've seen this before. I need to do this. These fish are going to go here. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I think we, we've all kind of had mentors through our lives. I, I've got friends and, and older people that that I fished with growing up. Heck, my grandfather is the one that, that kind of got me started, him and my dad. You know, so to say that we hadn't had anybody teach us, uh, I guess, would be wrong. But as far as coaches, you're exactly right. There's not really any such thing as a, as a fishing coach, really. No, it's uh, – and <laughs> let's say somebody decided they were going to get into that business. They hang out a shingle, you know, fishing coach available for hire – That'd be somebody whose yep. phone never ever rang again because nobody's going to be calling them, you know. No, I doubt it. <laughs> yeah, but it's it it, it 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 is a big of a, a bit of a thought, and there are some things that uh, uh, maybe people need a little bit of help with. But you know what? I'm guessing you think of it on your own. Have you ever had a tournament? It it didn't end the way you liked. 
and the tournament's over, and you, you're, you're watching the weigh-in, and and the guy that won it said, well, I got it, I was doing this, and da 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 and, and you just, like, slap your head and go, boy, I never thought of that. You thought of everything, didn't you? Whether you did it or not is one thing, but it's it's not like there's anything new or anything that you didn't think of. I, I, am I right? Most of the time, that's correct. Uh, I, there are, there have been times where I've looked back and, and smacked my head and said, "Man, you you are an idiot! How did you miss that?" You know, but that's fishing, and and I've learned over the years the tournaments that you do bad in are usually the ones that you learn the most in. At least that's how I've tried to be in my career. Um, you know, those tournaments that are in your wheelhouse that you do well in, yes, you can learn from those as well. But those ones where you're getting your teeth kicked in, you need to really be learning a lot from those. Go back and watch the live coverage, you know, or or talk to your buddies after that tournament's over and compare notes. Um, just be a student of the game, you know, and, and try to learn from your mistakes going forward. So when you see that situation again, you'll 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 be better suited for it. We're so in tune with all of the social media that is out there. Uh, you know, you can see fishing instructional videos constantly everywhere you look. Everybody's got a channel. Everybody's got a program. And, you know, I know you guys are not particularly looking for tips or suggestions on bodies of water, techniques, but, but you're on the Internet so much because of what you're doing for yourself, it's hard not to, to see things. I, is it possible to tune stuff out? Because I, I'm going to imagine that 90% of the fishing-related stuff that's on the Internet is just clouding up the waters for you, that there's just too much information and you'd like to avoid it. Is that correct? It is correct. Uh, to, to be 100% honest, I, I guess I'll, once you make it to the Elite Series, you have enough experience usually that you know to kind of weed out the, the stuff that's not so true or that you don't really need to pay that much attention to. And then you can tell when, when something is 100% legit. And, I mean, there is a lot of stuff out there that, that is clouding up the water. I mean, there's there's a lot of misinformation out there. Fishing is no different than, than anything else. Um, and, and what what gets the most views might not might not be what's the best information. Um, I, I definitely noticed that on YouTube a lot, but I do watch a lot of that stuff, you know. And you, you just kind of learn uh, learn to wade through it and and pick up what you need to, and and let the rest of it just kind of fall to the wayside. I want to go back to baseball for a second. Uh... I've always said this, and I wonder what your feeling is on this. You, you look at a baseball player, and uh, uh, back before your time, I look at Will, Willie Mays, who was one of the most gifted ball players of all time. Hit, hit for power, run, throw, uh, great fielder. He, he did it all, and he looks so totally natural doing it. Take it over to uh, Pete Rose, who played for many years and is the all-time leader in, in hits uh, out of all Major League Baseball players. And... I looked at Pete Rose, and, and it, it was amazing how hard he played and how much he hustled, and I never looked at him as being a, a, a natural athlete. Obviously, he was a, a great athlete, but he, he didn't look as easy and free as, as Willie Mays did. And, and, and Brooks Robinson, uh, who was uh, uh, 
uh, the uh, well, yeah, Brooks Robinson was uh, a phenomenally uh, uh, talented fielder, uh, a good hitter too. But he he was a great fielder for the Baltimore Orioles, and he had a thing set up in his basement. And he took ground balls every day all winter. I go. This guy's the best fielder of all time. He played in the majors for over 20 years, and he still took ground balls. Some guys, I think, are naturally great, and some guys have to work really hard at being great. Do you see that's the same thing in fishing? Absolutely. 100% I see that. Um, you know, I get the opportunity to fish with a lot of people. I've got a lot of friends, great friends that I've met through fishing. Uh, and, and I've definitely noticed that some people have a natural talent for not just fishing, but like outdoors, you know, and, and I, I try to be that way. You know, it, there's an understanding that everything in nature kind of works together. And, you know, it, just like hunting, I, I hunt, I turkey hunt, I deer hunt, I fish. So, but, uh, but yeah, there's, there's definitely a natural talent involved in fishing. Can it be learned? Absolutely. But it takes a lot more work uh, for a guy that that kind of doesn't have that natural ability. Now, to get to the top level level of tournament fishing, I don't care if you have all the tournament, all the talent in the world. It's still going to take you a lot of work to get there because you're going to have to going back to that time on the water and drawing from that experience. But there's definitely a natural talent involved in fishing. Absolutely, I agree with that, and, and I do like the fact that you 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 pretty much said. To the guy who knows, and you know if you've got that natural talent or not, that the guy who does not have that natural talent is not shut out. He can no, work. He no. can work at it and get himself up there. It's just going to be a little bit more difficult for him. Yeah, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. Good, good, good way to say that. Ex excellent. Very, very good. Hey, uh, I, I got you, you were the one that brought it up. Said, hey, you won your you won your first tournament nine year, nine years on the tour. I uh, won your first elite tournament at, at nine years on the tour. Was there ever a point where you got down the mile and said, man, I haven't won anything yet. I, I, I got to think about doing something else for a living or I, I'm going to give it another two years or, or, you know, you set a deadline. Was there, that, was the thought of getting out of this business ever crossing your mind? There have been some bumpy times throughout. Um, I, I'd be lying if I said there was ever a time where I was real close to quitting, but there have been some bumpy times. You know, the, the industry goes up and down. Um, and, and what people don't realize about fishing, they see the, the $100,000 check that comes with the win. What you don't see is the expense on the backside. It's a very expensive sport. Our entry fees are, are very expensive. Um, so having great sponsors is a, is a very big deal. And I've had a lot of great sponsors throughout my my career uh, and have a great list of sponsors right now, but hasn't always been that way. There's been a, a few years where some of it's had to come out of my own pocket. And, um, you know, I've had a couple of, of bumpy years where it, it wasn't as good as I would have liked for it to have been, but all in all, I've had a, been very fortunate. I've had a great career thus far, um, successful career, and, and hopefully it'll be that way moving forward. Tell me about your family. Uh, I've got a wife, my wife Kimberly, got two little girls, Leanne and Shiloh, they're 10 and 4, um, and they get to travel with me sometimes, they'll be going to New York with me here in about three weeks, so um, I'm a girl dad, and it's it's all good. <laughs> hey, uh, how how how'd the uh, family enjoy the beach? I know you just came back from a visit to the beach. 
Yeah, yeah, it was awesome. So it worked out really good. We actually, we plan our beach trips every winter about six months ahead of time, and it just worked out that we left straight from Pickwick with the trophy and went straight to the to uh, the beach in Florida for a week uh, on family vacation. So uh, family vacation is always fun, but it was extra special this week for sure. You've always been from Tennessee? I have, yep. Good. Yeah, I was born and raised. Born I'm, and raised. And I'll probably like always a, be here. Unlike a lot of these guys that are moving down uh, to Tennessee and Alabama for the, for the great fishing, you're you're a, a natural natural born there, and you, you can't have come from a better place uh, than, than where you're at. Uh, and uh, I imagine it makes you a better fisher, having a, a fisherman having access to great water like that, but. That whole uh, home water kind of thing doesn't doesn't pay off uh, in in the long run. It it may make you a better fisherman in in the long run, but it doesn't make you a winner on your Tennessee lakes uh, as a given. No, no, absolutely not. I mean, uh, a home lake advantage can be a blessing and a curse for sure. <laughs> it can be hard to weed through, um, but but you're exactly right. Uh, being from the area I'm from, I'm I'm a couple of hours away from, within a couple of hours of me is, is some really, really great fishing. Basically the entire Tennessee River chain plus, you know, some, some deep, clear Tennessee Highland lakes that have smallmouth and largemouth. So a lot of options right here in the area where I live. Yeah, well, you, you, you've learned it well and, and you're certainly proven it this year. Uh, you've been at this for a while, but in my book, you're still a young guy. You're just hitting your stride now, and I, I just uh, going to keep my eye on that career winnings and watch it go up every tournament that you are in because you're you're in the zone, and I don't see any reason for you slowing down. Well, I certainly hope not. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep trying my very best, and uh, I, you know, I've had several people ask me now that you've got a blue trophy, what's next? I'm I'm not the type to sit around and be complacent and satisfied. Now that I've got one, I want two. <laughs> Excellent. You know what? And we'll, we'll discuss that before the Classic next year. Don't want to put a, any kind of jinx on that right now, but that's something we will definitely talk about later. Brandon Lester, my friend, I really appreciate you spending the time with me. Uh, it was a great interview. You're a smart guy, a great fisherman, good family man, and uh, you got it all going. It's all it's firing on all cylinders. You keep up the good work. Win a whole bunch more money this year. We'll talk to you again soon. Sounds good. Thank you very much, Steve. Hey, Have Brandon, you take care. Brandon Lester, Bassmaster Elite. What a great guy. That wraps up this week's edition of the We Fish ASA podcast, the best iron fishing show on the radio or the internet in the entire USA. I'd like to thank today's guest, Dan Johnson from St. Croix, Ken Duke, Fishing Tackle Retailer Magazine, and a great young fisherman. He is really hot. He's winning. He's finishing in the top tens. He's Brandon Lester. I'd like to thank our sponsor, St. Croix, the best rods on earth, Calcutta, makers of a line of products that fit your fishing lifestyle and passion, and Daiwa. We've got your bass covered. They certainly do. Daiwa Reels. Remember that We Fish ASA presents a new episode of our one-hour podcast each and every week. Available 24-7 wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to check out our website, wefishasa.com. If you like what you hear, please let us know. If there's something you'd like to hear us talk about or someone we ought to have on this show, please let us know that too. I'm Steve Surley. My partner is Dave Kranz. We'll see you next week. Now, let's go fishing.
professional angler Kevin Van Dam, and people always ask me, what's the best and easiest way to catch fish? Well, that's simple. Keep our waterways clean and free of litter. You know, tossing your worn out lures in the lake is not a winning move. Pitch them in the trash. Do your part and join me. Visit KeepAmericaFishing.org and pledge to pitch it.